Well, I'm going to share some thoughts with you as we're beginning the new year. 2020 was definitely a hard year in many ways for so many of us, but it was also a year with many blessings. And so I want to start the year off and start tonight off by speaking specifically to those of you who've been mulling over this reality over the last day or two, and you've been wondering what to do with the fact that 2020 was really hard, but there were many blessings. And I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to know this, that that recognition, that thought is from the Lord. The Lord put that thought in you. It was a hard year, yes, but it was was also a year of many, many blessings. And I've been talking to a number of people over the last few weeks who have been aware of this in their own lives. And sometimes it just seems like a contradiction, but it's not. Other times it seems like um, confusion. Well, how how can it be blessed? But how can it also be so difficult? But that's actually the reality of life, isn't it? And I think many of you can identify with this. Uh, tremendous challenges, so many changes, so many adjustments, so much unprecedented uh, decision-making and lifestyle changes and actions that have been required of all of us. And yet, with all of that and with all of the 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 sorrows of not being able to have the kind of fellowship and group meetings that we've always had in years past, uh, to have these limitations on us that continue to, in some measure, yet we've been blessed. And I know that if you're a person who has had these two experiences of difficulty, but also blessing, I, I know it's good for you to be able to say to the Lord, thank you for sustaining me in the difficulty and being with me in the difficulty. And thank you, Lord, for all the many blessings. You see, you can think about the good things that God has done. You can count your blessings. You can have sorrow and you can enter into mourning. You can be filled with compassion on behalf of those who are going through difficulty right now. Perhaps you went through Um, great loss last year, uh, earlier in the year, and you're beginning to recover a bit. But there are others who are going through great loss today at this very hour. And there are many who are still in the process of mourning and recovering. And you can actually stay close to people who are mourning and going through difficulty. And yet, you can have a positive attitude of hope. You can have a strategy for hope. And that's one of the things I want to focus on. And I I want to keep this in front of us for the the next month or so. And I want us to be thinking about how um, we can have strategic reasons for being hopeful. And we can have strategic pathways that we go down that build up our hope and help us express hope. So you may be mourning loved ones who passed away, or or you may have disappointments that you're processing right now. And things maybe didn't go the way you were wanting or even the way you felt you need. You may have had a series of difficulties and you've been wondering what's next. And that's the thing. What was next 
may have turned out to be quite good and even pleasant. That's the surprising thing for some people because we can get into this rut and we can enter into the, the mindset, the zeitgeist of the culture all around us where we can think, oh, what people say is bad must define my emotions. But I want to encourage you to know this, that you serve a God who's the ultimate authority and nothing else has the last word. God has the final word. And when God is pouring out any blessings on you and you acknowledge that, when you're living in the presence of the Lord, when you're being grateful to the Lord and you're thanking him for what he's doing, and you're also seeking him when you need comfort, when you need encouragement, when you're disappointed, when your um, emotions and your feelings and even your thoughts are, are negative because of the difficulties and challenges that you've actually faced. The same God can encourage you when you're down, but he can also receive your gratitude when you're thankful to him. And don't feel like yesterday's sorrows put a limit on tomorrow's blessings, because God may be blessing you in one area of your life, and you may be having challenges in another area of your life. And it's okay, it's okay, Mishpocha, to be happy about the blessings that you have. Some people have had really strong and excellent years financially this year, but they also face some health challenges or they face challenges with their kids in school uh, or being at home and doing virtual school. You can have one area that's going well and another area that's quite challenging. And it's okay to be honest with God and with yourself about both. You don't have to be that kind of person who's just you're like a cheerleader, rah, rah, rah. You're in denial of the difficulty and you're trying to have a positive spin on everything. You don't have to do that. Nor do you have to be someone who thinks that if there's any difficulty or any sorrow, it has to color everything that you think and feel. Now, you don't have to be trapped in those two extremes. There's another way, which is to be honest about your sorrows and to be honest about the blessings that you have. And if God gives you a blessing, if he pours out some encouragement on you, you don't have to shrink back. You don't have to be embarrassed. You know, like, gosh, everyone's going through such a hard time. I'm embarrassed about the blessing that I have. No, you can be honest and you can share with others and thank the Lord for the blessings that you have. I've got a lot of compassion for everyone who suffered during 2020 and everyone who is beginning this year with suffering. But I also have a lot of good feelings for people who experienced great blessings during 2020. In fact, you may have suffered and had great blessings and that's just life, friends. One doesn't exclude the other. One doesn't negate the other. You may have had great blessing in one area of your life and great disappointment in another. And if that's you, I'm speaking to you tonight, and I'm glad you're here with us tonight. And here's, here's what I'm thinking about. When we stay focused on the Lord and we remember that he is the ultimate source of blessing and that his blessing is the best blessing, that's the very best way for us to live. And whenever we let something else take the Lord's place as if it were really the ultimate source, that's not the best. In fact, it's a trap. It can ensnare us. 
when you allow your hope to be based on something else other than the Lord, then you can be hopeless because your candidate didn't win or the election didn't go the way you hoped for, or your job has been difficult, or school has been difficult, it's been hard for you to work or hard for you to study or, or to do well. You name it, you can allow those things to give you your perspective about all of life. And I want to encourage you, don't fall into this trap. You can allow finances or your plans for retirement or, or your plans about your school graduation and what you had hoped for when you graduated from high school or what you'd hoped for when you graduated from college or what you hoped for at that job interview or even what you hoped your friends would do or be like during this time, you name it. And I know this, that some of you, have decided not to fall for that. You're staying solid with the Lord. You're not in denial about your sorrows and your disappointments and your difficulties and your challenges, but you have learned that God is with you in the hard times too. And whenever you're keeping your eyes on the Lord and not just the circumstances or situations, you know what? Your hope and your faith and your love can prosper and will prosper. So there is a strategic reason for being hopeful. It's because God is the ultimate source of all your blessings. So for the first 40 days of 2021, it's a time to keep in mind our strategic reasons for hope. Or as Sandy put it this afternoon, the Lord gives us strategic pathways for hope. And I want to read to you from Psalm 85. Sandy shared this with me today, and it encouraged me. Starting in verse 8 and going through 13, the whole psalm is really uh, excellent. But let me read to you Psalm 85, verses 8 through 13. And I would ask those of you who can to put that in the comment section for other people's reference so that others can turn to it. And if you hear a verse that really touches you, um, copy and paste that or type it into your comment section and share it with others as well. So starting in verse eight, I will listen to what God the Lord will say, for he will surely speak shalom to his people and his holy ones. He will not let them return to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him so that his glory may dwell in our land. Loving devotion and faithfulness have joined together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Faithfulness sprouts from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. I really like that. The two directions of, of blessing, that faithfulness is sprouting from the earth and that righteousness is looking down from heaven. Verse 12, the Lord will indeed provide what is good and our land will yield its increase. Now, verse 13, so important. Righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. The way of the Lord is just and true and good, and his righteousness goes before him, and his footsteps become our pathway. You see, when we're walking with the Lord, not just believing about the Lord, but walking with him, when we're aware of his presence and we're aware of his leadership, and we actually have a sense of where he's leading us and we go with him, 
We'll experience his presence in a powerful way. That's a strategic reason for hope. When you experience the presence of God, it is encouraging. And you can experience the presence of God. You can experience the favor of God. You can experience the blessing of God, even though in some part of your life, you're going through real hardship, real loss, real sorrow, and real mourning. It's possible. It, it, it doesn't mean you're going crazy when you have these two different kinds of feelings, when they're connected to reality. It means you're just being honest about the reality that we live in. There's joy and there's challenge and sorrow as well. They, they are together. I want to keep my focus on strategic pathways to hope and strategic reasons for hope these first 40 days of 2021. And when I think about pathways, thank you, Sandy, for um, emphasizing that word to me, because it, it's, I think, very helpful. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 have an interesting comment that speaks to this. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, or in all your ways, acknowledge him. And then this part, and he will make your paths or your pathways straight. That is so beautiful. When we're trusting in the Lord, and when our whole heart is devoted to him, and we are receiving wisdom and understanding from him about how to um, how to view what's going on around us, and we're not leaning on our own understanding, when all of our ways are in acknowledgement of the Lord, then he will straighten out your paths. He'll make your path straight. He'll give you good paths to go on. And I can tell you that that's a reason for hope. It's a strategic reason for hope. Now I want to change a little bit of direction, but I want to keep the hope and perspective in mind and keeping our eyes on the Lord in mind. As we read from this week's Torah portion, it, it's such a rich Torah portion. I surely hope that you have continued in the habit of reading the Torah portion, the Haftorah and the Brita Chadashah that, uh, that we're reading together, that you do this in advance of Shabbat. And then you read again, if you can, after Shabbat. That way, you'll be more prepared to participate in our studies together. And not only that, you'll get more out of it. And not only that, you'll be able to bless other people with the blessings that you receive through your reading and through your studying. So as I was reading this week's Torah portion, Genesis 48, verse 15 and 16, those two verses together. They really touched me. They caught my attention. And interestingly, Sandy and I were having coffee this morning on the porch. It was uh, beautiful outside here in Florida. It went, got up to the low 80s. Uh, amazing for the first day of January. But we were sitting outside and Sandy was sharing with me some scriptures and we were talking about our family and um, some some things that we hope for different members of our family this year. But Sandy 
Sandy shared with me this passage, and she didn't know that a couple of days earlier, I had written a lot of notes about the exact same verses. And we were noticing different things, and it complemented our study together. Each of us saw different things that fit in and helped the other one uh, to see even more. But I want to share with you some things that touched me this week as I was reading Genesis 48, the very last portion of uh, the first book of the Torah. And here, here's what it says. Then Jacob blessed Joseph, the God in whose presence my fathers Abraham and Isaac lived, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has rescued me from all harm, may God bless these boys. May they remember who I am and what I stand for. And likewise, my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, who they were and what they stood for. And may they grow into teeming multitudes on the earth. So that's the passage that really got our attention. And, and I'm going to share with you some thoughts that, that I hope will help you appreciate the perspective that Jacob had as his life is winding down. Um, even though he's at the end of his days, he's still thinking about the future, and he's blessing his son, Joseph. He blesses Joseph's sons also, Ephraim and Manasseh, uh, boys who uh, were born in Egypt and who were previously unknown to Jacob, who lived in Canaan in the promised land. But now Joseph is down there with um, his family in Egypt, and he takes Joseph's two sons, Jacob takes Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and he blesses them in an interesting way that I like to call a crisscross applesauce because he crosses his arms when he blesses them. And he blesses the younger one first and the older one second. And he has good blessings. And he knows what he's doing, even though his eyes are failing. He knows exactly what he's doing. But he takes these two boys who are really his grandsons, and he takes them as his own sons. In a sense, he adopts them as his sons, and they become his sons so that they have a secure place among the people of Israel. And Jacob's blessing has a powerful prophetic authority. The authority of a father, the authority of a grandfather, and the authority of a man of God who's committed to making things right that have gone astray a bit and to doing what's necessary to fix things. He is not the kind of person who just has to be in control of everything, but a true man of God, a true man of God, a true woman of God will use the God-given authority that you have to fix what you can fix and to make right what you can make right. Now let's look at the co content of <clears throat> what Jacob is blessing. He says three things about God, and I think that's really important, to make God the first point of emphasis. You see, if, if you really believe that God is your ultimate, your highest, and your first source of blessing, that, that your life really depends on him, then you want to make him 
the number one priority for what you tell others about and how you bless other people. So Jacob starts with this, the God in whose presence my fathers, Abraham and Isaac lived. That's point number one. Point number two, the God who has been my own shepherd all my life long to this very day. And then point number three, and this is interesting because it's about God. But he says, the angel who has rescued me from all harm, may God bless these boys. I love that part. You see, he is pointing to God first. He's focusing on the ultimate source of blessing and the blessed life. And it's so important. God is the ultimate source of blessing in our lives right now and in our futures as well. Not our circumstances, not our position in society. The things of this world are unstable and unreliable. And Jacob knows that. He has been through ups and downs. He has been through hardship as a young man. He's been through hardship as well as an old man, as a father, as a brother, as a son. He has been through all of those kinds of experiences. And what does he depend on for blessing? He depends on God. He's not depending on Joseph's achievements or his place in society or the fact that they're enjoying living in the land of Egypt, in that portion of Egypt called Goshen. He's not pointing to that. You see, I was sitting on my uh, terrace today, and I was enjoying the fact that I was living in Florida and that the weather was so good. But all of us who live in Florida know the weather's not always so good. And we also know that when hurricanes come, we're not thinking, oh, this is such a great place. We're thinking, oh my gosh, what do I need to do to get ready? And how do I need to protect myself and my house? You see, Jacob didn't say, oh, Egypt has been so good to us, even though in some ways Egypt had been good to them. He was promoting the idea that God was good, that God was the key, and that every blessing that he experienced was a result of the Lord blessing him in his life. Jacob points to the life of faith second, but he doesn't point to Egypt and he he doesn't point to Joseph's accomplishments or his prominence or power. Jacob wants his son and his grandsons to know God and to know this about himself. He says, I want them to know, let me read it again to you because I think it's so powerful. May they remember who I am and what I stand for. And likewise, my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, who they were and what they stood for. In order to remember, they have to know. So they have to have that kind of intimacy and that kind of perspective that that really allows a person to know another person, not just superficial or commonly known things, but to know them really, really deeply. Jacob wants his son, he wants his grandsons to know this about him, who I am and what I stand for. And I want want them to know the same thing about my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. What a, a great thing for him to say. I want them to know who I am and what I stand for. 
part of who Jacob was, was a man who had intimacy with God and was faithful to God and had a relationship with God, not just a religion that he belonged to, whose rituals and practices he, he um, participated in, but a relationship with God, a relationship that actually was the source of every good thing that happened to him and to his family. And that's why Jacob could say about the Lord, he is the Lord. Let's go back and look at this. It's useful to go down the scriptures and then start over and take another look at him again. The God in whose presence my fathers Abraham and Isaac lived. Isn't that a great statement? I serve a God in whose presence my fathers Abraham and Isaac lived. They lived in the presence of God. What a marvelous thing to say about his father and his grandfather. Who am I? Well, I'm from that that family, and I serve a God in whose presence my fathers Abraham and Isaac lived. I'm continuing in that. And then I love this next statement that Isaac makes, the God who's been my shepherd all my life long to this day. You know the ups and downs of Jacob's life and some of the times that were disappointing. Well, he still calls God his shepherd. And he is also calling God something else. This is something else. He's saying he is the angel who rescued me. And he's using a very special term in Hebrew for kinsman redeemer. So you could say he, this God is the God of my fathers. He's also the God who is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He's also the angel who is my kinsman redeemer. May this God bless you. I am so stirred by that. This is the strategic reason for hope. When you fix your eyes on God, it colors everything that happens in life, including life's sorrows, disappointments, and hardships, and it causes you to have a fresh and and good perspective about the blessings that you have received. If you take your eyes off of God and you allow circumstances and situations to be the definition of your own personhood and perspective about life, then you've taken your eyes off the Lord and you will not have the same perspective that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had, or that the disciples of Yeshua had, or the prophets, or those, everyone, including those whose names we'll never know because they had no fame or notoriety, um, but they lived honest lives before God and good lives the angel who rescued me, the angel who is my kinsman redeemer. May this one bless you. And I I want to suggest to you that when Jacob is talking about God in these different ways, he's my father, he's my shepherd, and he's also my kinsman redeemer. Wow. He knows that the Lord is one. It's not that there are three different gods or that there are two gods and there's also this divine sort of second rank angel who helps out sometimes. No, this is one God who presents himself and shows himself in all these different ways and can only be fully known if you know him in all these different ways. 
Adonai Echad, the Lord is one, but he is a kind of one-ship, if you will, oneness, if you will. He's a kind of one that, that integrates his diversity of faces and ways of manifesting himself. One God, but he manifests himself in all these different ways. When, when Jacob says, the angel, my kinsman, redeemer, it's so important for us to pay attention, I think, to this idea of kinsman redeemer, because it's, it's a very special word. It, it conveys two parts, redeemer, yes, but kinsman as well. Kinsman means the, the one who, who is a brother who, who's born of, uh, in the same way I was born. You see, Yeshua, God, took on a human body by being born into humanity through human life. And yet God, who is spirit, took on a body, his own body. He didn't invade um, another body and take it over. He, he did ask uh, Miriam to rejoice that she would be the, um, the mother. But he brought forth um, a kinsman redeemer. God became the kinsman redeemer, not just a redeemer, but a kinsman. He became one of us. He took on incarnation. He took on bodily form. That's what it means to be a kinsman redeemer. It's not just someone who's far away or someone who's distant. No, it's someone who is part of the close family, who is like us. That's what Jacob is wanting his sons to know about God, that he's a kinsman redeemer. And that, that he's part of not just the world of eternity and the world of the heavenly, heavenlies and the spirit, but he's also part of this physical world that we live in. One God who is God in all and over all, the God who created has come into this world. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the Lord. And I think this is a strategic reason for hope. When you focus on these things, you will abound in hope. You'll prosper in hope. Now, you'll read the news sometimes. It'll try to rob you of your hope. If you let if you let something else, even important things, but not ultimately important things, take away your sense about life and God's blessings, it will have a bad effect on you. No matter how much you say you believe in the Lord, believing in the Lord means, among other things, to keep our eyes fixed on him and to acknowledge that we're living our life in in his presence. Some people are struggling. They're losing hope during these seasons for different reasons because of uh, different experiences that people have. But some people are losing hope and they are confusing being angry with being prophetic. And Mishpacha, I'm going to tell you, they're not the same thing. The, the prophets of Israel were also stirred by the mercy of God and the redemption of God. And whenever anger causes us to lose hope, 
then it is not um, representing the prophetic purpose of God. God wants us to remain hopeful. He wants us to be good stewards of our hope, to cultivate hope. And I'll be encouraging you in different ways over the next few weeks to, by way of reminder, because in some ways it's not new, it's just timely. Ancient truths that are valid and important for our times right now. And I want you to remember that Yeshua was sent into this world. And I love what John 20, verse 21 says. Again, Yeshua said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And earlier in John, John 17, verses 17 and 18, the Lord prays, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into this world, I've also sent them into this world. And then backing up even one step further to John chapter 3, verse 17, a comment the writer makes of the, in the Gospels, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, these are strategic reasons for being hopeful, to recognize what God is doing and what he wants to do. We're not, we're not the first people to go through hardship. Uh, many generations, maybe all generations have gone through hardship, but we're going through an unprecedented kind of hardship for us. And each generation has to walk through its own. I want to encourage you, stay hopeful, be good, um, curators of hope, cultivate your hope, nurture your hope, spread your hope. When something good happens to you, when God deserves your gratitude and your thanksgiving, tell people, thank the Lord in front of other people that they would know that you're grateful. And when you do that, you'll be moving in the spirit of the Lord, as Isaiah 61 puts it, and as Yeshua said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the meek. And he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. That's interesting. He sent me. That's what Yeshua would say one day when he read from this Haftorah portion in the synagogue on Shabbat. If he could say he was sent in this way, then we need to be sent in the same way. You see, as the Father sent him, now he sends us. And so this is really our commission for 2021. In the midst of difficulty, there are brokenhearted people. There are people who are in captivity. There are people without freedom. There are people who are being mistreated. There are people who are bound up and they're in prison, some literally and some in spiritual and emotional prisons or in, in the the way that they think about life or the way they relate to other people. And the spirit of God, has sent us to continue in this work that Yeshua has pioneered for us. Mishpacha, let's be faithful to that. Let's watch over our hope. Don't let circumstances, don't let this political conflict or that um, social conflict, don't let them rob you of the hope 
that God has for you. Don't let your sorrow, as real as it is, cause you to forget your joy and your blessings too. That's my hope for you. And I, I hope you take it really seriously. And I want to close tonight with Aaron's blessing as a way of just sealing this word into your heart. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep watch over you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and the Lord pour out his favor and his grace upon you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. So we all can say amen to that. We can receive that. And I hope that you will be one who not only receives it, but you bless as well. And just one last time, if, if you want to consider standing with us financially, you can find out all the information by going to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. And that's a way that you can participate as well. Well, it's been great to be with you tonight. And I look forward to tomorrow. Tomorrow, Saturday, we'll have a combined hybrid service live from home and live from the sanctuary. And we really look forward to that. And Rabbi Yuri, Rabbi Zanina will be leading worship live in the sanctuary. And that will also be on our Facebook Live, live from home. So right now, we are going to welcome back the Corsians. And I want to say from Sandy and me, Shabbat Shalom and Happy New Year.